Welcome to the Harmony Pittsburgh Baptist Association Leadership Podcast, a podcast designed to encourage pastors, to equip leaders, and to engage the community with the saving power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Jeremy Randolph. Welcome back to the podcast. We are continuing our series on spirit-led preaching. This is our fourth episode dedicated to a pastor's study workshop where we looked at the book Spirit-Led Preaching by Dr. Greg Heisler. If you haven't listened to the first three episodes in the series, that's okay. There's plenty of time for you to go back and listen to those before you come back here and pick up with the fourth episode of this series. In today's episode, we hear from Pastor Joel Davis. He is the pastor of First Baptist Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, Texas, and he leads us on the journey of the Spirit and sanctification. The main argument of this chapter is that the preacher can only truly preach when he is truly uh, submitted to the, the Spirit of God. And so we've already kind of heard this a little bit, uh, so we'll, we'll just kind of uh, go with it a little bit more. Uh, not dismissing the need for proper methodology in interpreting Scripture and in structuring a, a sermon. But he focuses on the Spirit's role in the pastor's personal application of the message of the Word of God and the presentation of the sermon, the the Spirit at work. So again, all of this that we have kind of been talking about and leading to, he just kind of um, furthers it in that. So one of my favorite books in in the Bible uh, is 1 Corinthians. And so kind of the background, if you want to turn to 1 Corinthians, uh, kind of the background and what you probably already know this, maybe you don't. Uh, but the background, especially uh, I find in the first four chapters, is um, not by Paul's doing, but by the messed up Corinthian church's doing, that there appears to be some competition between the various speakers and their abilities, uh, between Apollos and Paul. So when you read, when you have that understanding, Apparently, Paulus was something else, a little bit of a dynamo, and surprisingly, Paul was not. And so, the, the contrast that he makes, beginning there uh, in verse 10 of chapter 1, as he goes through, it's a contrast between God's wisdom and God's power and then that of man. I don't believe he is he's bashing Apollos. He is trying to correct the Corinthians. And so everything that he says, and David, you kind of mentioned it there at the end of chapter 2, the natural person has no taste and no understanding of, of the things of the Spirit. They're wowed by the show. Uh, the saying is, you know, uh, any freak show can draw a crowd, right? Um, um, but they don't, they don't want the, the Spirit. And so then he talks about divisions uh, within the church uh, and begins to correct them a little bit in that way. Uh, but then when he gets into chapter 4, he addresses the, the ministry of the apostles. And verse 20 of uh, chapter 4, the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. And, and that's that, that's kind of the, the theme uh, that I want to apply to this chapter, is when we take uh, the, the whole scope of, of 1 through 4, is it's really not about what we do. It is really not about what we do. Tony, I agree with you. I One of the worst sermons I ever preached, I sat down on the front row, and I was just beating myself up. And a guy a guy came up and sat beside me, and he said, you just changed my life. Um, of course, now I did it, right? right? And I thought, God, why, why in the world? Um, because it's not about 
taught. It's not about how good we are, how polished we are, and we know these things. But it's good to be reminded that even, because I'll be honest with you, I don't think Paul stood up with notes uh, when he was able to preach to a crowd. And, and the Spirit of God worked. Now, I do not evangelists for preaching the same sermon everywhere they go, so they don't, they don't have to prepare week after week, right? <laughs> but uh, the Spirit of God works, and that's where the power is. That's where, what the kingdom of God is all about. It is not about what we can do. It's not about what we can do. All of our skills, all of our experience, all of our not it's all secondary. We can have all of those things and not have the dynamic, the power of the Spirit. Uh, but he's talking about sanctification uh, and that process of the Spirit working in our lives and, and that being the dynamic that we bring into the pulpit um, or we do not bring into the pulpit, one of the two. So he says preaching is much like an iceberg where people seeing the pulpit on Sunday is the tip of the dynamics going on beneath the surface. Spirit-filled living is God's prerequisite uh, for Spirit-led preaching. And so we hear, guys, that uh, so I mentioned Adrian Rogers. The points are never as good as Adrian Rogers. Adrian Rogers' power was not in the points. You can listen to a message today, and it's it's still uh, powerful because there was something in the life, and it, there has to be true in our lives as well. I think the greatest condemnation is walking in the pulpit, knowing that you have no intention of obeying what you're about to preach. Mm-hmm. The condemnation on you. The condemnation on your people, preaching a powerless sermon uh, at that point in time. And he makes the point in the chapter, your people can tell. Your people can tell. They know if you're um, just carrying out your weekly tasks and and fulfilling your your weekly obligation, or or if uh, the Spirit of God has really spoken to you. We we think they can. We have a good illustration. We're funny enough. We muster up enough uh, enthusiasm. They can tell. Because there's no conviction in their hearts because there's no conviction in our hearts. Right? So, the Holy Spirit's uh, power uh, for preaching is grounded in the process of spiritual sanctification. Um, that we submit ourselves to the Word before we ever stand up to preach. Uh, my preaching professor back in college, uh, Jerry Windsor, um, it was a small town, and you'll never know him, never read anything by him. But he said that the no- most important thing in preparing a sermon is soul preparation. Everything else, not length of time. Uh, other other great takeaway is I asked how many points should the sermon had have, and he said at least one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you can have that one for free. But soul preparation that every single week we begin by saying, "All right, Lord, I, I want you to speak to me." But right after that, God, I want you to change me. I I, I don't want to. My my goal, my task is not a sermon; it's a relationship, um, and that's kind of what this next. Um, Quote is, our first calling is to keep growing spiritually while bearing the Spirit's fruit and then to approach preaching as an outgrowth of the vitality of the Spirit. But over the course of a year, there are times where I'm up with the Spirit and there are times when I'm down. It doesn't matter. Sunday don't care, right? Yeah. Sunday's coming. If you've had a great week, you're in great fellowship with the Lord, you and your wife are doing great, you could, or if it's all wrong, you still have to get up and preach. And even when everything is wrong, the point is, is that God, you're still working, and I want you. That that's key. God, I still want you to work, uh, even in this moment, even if everything's going wrong. Not to stand up in the pulpit again and say, "I have no intention. I'm 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 fulfilling I'm fulfilling the job." If you don't know Ezra seven ten. You need to know Ezra seven ten. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord 
and to do it, and to teach us statutes and rules and, and, and to know, to do, and to teach in that order. Um, to know, to do, and to teach. That I want to know this, God, I want to do this, and then I want to teach it, uh, not the other way around. And so uh, he says our conversion is a motivation uh, for spirit-led preaching and, and sanctification. He says our conversion experience leaves such an unforgettable impression upon our hearts and minds that it continuously spills over into our preaching. He, he examines the preaching of Paul and talks about how especially in Acts, Paul keeps going back to his testimony. He keeps going back. Johnny Hunt, uh, I heard him say, Jesus saved me and I've not gotten over it yet. Right? And if y'all know Johnny Hunt, y'all can imagine the force with which he said that. And that's kind of the key, is that we go back to our conversion of what Christ did for us, and that motivates us uh, then to, to proclaim and to preach the Word of God uh, through the Spirit of God. He then moves to, to call uh, as motivation. And this is when, when you read a book, you, you should interact with the material. And so we're going to interact with a little bit here because I think I need to clarify some things. And he says, we do not preach because we have nothing else to do. And then we preach because the call of God will not allow us to do anything else. That as miserable as Mondays are, right, I'd be miserable doing anything else. Uh, better is one day in your courts and a thousand books. And so when I, when I drive to Dallas and I see everybody doing everything in the world over there, the movers and shakers, uh, and I come back to little old Pittsburgh, I say, this is better. Uh, this is a, uh, the Word of God, the work of God among the people of God. Yeah. It's, it's better than, than anything else. Yeah. And so there may be times where I don't want to do this anymore, but there's never a time where I want to do something else, right? Yeah. Because it, it just doesn't compare. So he says, calling as a motivation. First Corinthians 4 1, this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of Christ. So servants and stewards. And so. Paul, uh, as he will often do, and especially with Corinthians, he will address his authority as an apostle uh, to them. Because there were, there were issues. There were issues of, of rebellion uh, against the gospel and against the authority of the apostles and then trying to lead the church. And there is authority in calling. But I think the point that we, we take away from servants and stewards is there is humility and there is responsibility. Humility is that we have been given a sacred trust. Now, and this is where I'm pushing back, um, is that we need to make sure that we have that humility first. But I've seen it before, and I think I was, I, I know I was there, it is my calling was something that set me apart, and we understand that's part of it, but in a special way, right? But when Paul talks about it, there's a sense of authority, but there's a sense of responsibility uh, more than anything. Um, I mean, he talks that I am here for your joy, right? He talks to the Corinthians, and again, I'm not to build you up. Uh, he says in, in page 80, the surest way to a powerless preaching ministry is to doubt God's calling. This is where I push back uh, on the next page. I would counter that the surest way to a powerless preaching ministry is to doubt God's word. Um, that's where I would push back. I, I think that's the fastest way to a powerless ministry. The authority and the motivation for preaching ultimately is the gospel message it's not the, the gospel messenger. I don't preach because that's what I'm called to do. Paul says, what do me if I do not preach the gospel? And, and the focus is on the gospel, not on the preaching. And that, what me, that the gospel is this, and it deserves to be declared. And so the calling is not so much about how awesome, talented, knowledgeable, experienced, passionate we are. It's about this is the gospel message. I, I had a professor, he was a short little guy. Uh, very quiet, extremely quiet, almost to the point of being inclusive. 
Um, and there was no dynamism about him. Um, he can make you cry at the drop of a hat when he spoke. His personality, his force, uh, it, it, that was not it. When he got up to speak, all the other professors would shut up, you know? Uh, it was one of those things because there was a wall with the Spirit of God. The authority was not within not within himself. It was within the gospel message. We have to take our calling uh, in that way, that we are privileged uh, to be able to preach. For the younger guys, because uh, I think I'm starting to learn this, and we kind of talked about this a little bit. My calling is not uh, primarily my calling to preach. We read in 1 Corinthians, Paul is writing to all those everywhere who are called to be saints and who call upon God, right? And so there's a there's a calling and, and there's a response. And our calling is to be saints, is to be children of God before it is to be preachers of God. Because sometimes you stink at preaching, right? Sometimes you stink it up. Sometimes you, you have to retire from preaching. Um and so your calling is primarily to, to just be a servant of God, to, to be a child of God. And then he allows you to be a steward of the mysteries of God uh, in the gospel. Uh, our congregations need to know that we don't preach because we are paid to preach. We preach because it expresses our love for Jesus and the sheep. Any financial help a church can supply us with is greatly appreciated because it means we can be more devoted to feeding and caring for the flock. But it is never the reason we preach. That's good. That I'll do this whether you pay me or not. I mean, I do it here, <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm gonna teach Sunday school, uh, or I'm gonna lead a, a Bible study. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it in my home. Uh, I'm gonna do it with people that don't go to this church. I, I'm gonna preach the gospel because the gospel deserves to be preached and not just on Sunday. The Spirit in training, and he's really focusing on the methodology of preaching, and so he clarifies. He's a preaching teacher. He clarifies that hey, there there are good methods that we need to implement in preparation and presenting a message, but the focus needs to be on the spirit. No amount of education, I added training, studying, refining of the sermon, and substitute for the spirit's power in preaching. So if you do have Saturday night special, but you've been living for Jesus and serving Jesus, man, stand up with confidence. That's what I would say. I take five pages into the pulpit. Used to be eight. It's getting shorter. Maybe you don't you don't take notes notes, right? We all have we all have different styles of preaching. None's right, none's wrong, uh, in, in how we feel comfortable in presenting that material. It, it's wrong if we get up without the Spirit um, being there with us in the pulpit. First uh, Corinthians chapter two, verses one, uh, verses ten through eleven. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, not man's wisdom, through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in them? So no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Meaning, you can't speak for God without the Spirit of God. Because you you don't know Him apart from the Spirit of God. Because you can't understand the Word apart from the Spirit of God. So if we get up apart from the Spirit of God, we are not speaking for God, speaking about God. We're not speaking truth uh, because we cannot comprehend the mind of God apart from that. Now there are important mechanics to preaching, but the Spirit is the needed dynamic in preaching. We can prepare and present sermons all day long. Probably all done it. Without the Spirit, however, we aren't really preaching and God's people can tell the difference. So we all have been, you know, either we've modeled after other preachers or we've been trained to, to do this methodology. And we feel wrong if we don't get up and do it this way. And that's one of the things he talks about is being in a box and not allowing the Spirit to, to do it. So uh, what I did was I took the one of the best sermons I've ever heard, and I burned CDs. Anybody else bring handouts? Um, 
So this is, uh, I only have 12 of them, but it's a sermon by E.B. Hill. Anybody remember E.B. Hill? When God was at his best. Anybody heard that sermon? Uh, so these are these are audio CDs. If you don't get one, uh, get with me and I can email it to you. Um, but in this sermon, again, one of the best sermons I've ever heard, he throws out every preaching convention, sermon structure convention you've ever heard of or been taught. Uh, he would fail every preaching class in every Southern Baptist seminary. Uh, we have no doubt and no joke. But it is powerful. Listen all the way to the end. Finish the sermon, okay? Um, and, and you'll see what I'm talking about. That um, the spirit is different than our structures. He's different than, than how we prepare and present a sermon. Preaching with conviction, passion, and urgency cannot be taught and made into a sermon step. Only when we linger long in God's presence and soak in his word and allow his spirit to saturate our lives when we preach under the divine imperative with conviction and power. This is what we want, right, in our yes. preaching? This is what we want. And so we quit praying, God, help me do a good job. And we say, God, help me be in a right relationship with you. Help me understand this text and apply it to my life so that when I get up, uh, you are allowed to speak with, with power and, and God in their lives uh, as well. I pray, Lord, you know, we, we pray hiding behind the shadow of the cross. Lord, let me do a terrible job. I'm willing to stand up here and be embarrassed and ashamed if it means that you'll work in, in somebody's lives uh, through this. The spirit of transformation uh, is where he ends up. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18 uh, just generally speaking, we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. It doesn't come from the preacher. It doesn't come from the sermon. It comes from the Spirit. And so we, through the power of the Spirit in the Word, uh, we help our people behold the glory of God so that it might be transformed uh, into the image of Christ. Uh, God is far more, and we've already said this, I think, Mr. Randall, you said, God is far more concerned with our character than with our ability to preach a sermon. This reminds us that we need to be who God called us to be before we do what God calls us to be. I, I think, gentlemen, honestly, if I, I think calls to repentance a, a, a lot of weeks, right? Um, now, there are some things that you we probably do well and we get to preach with confidence because of that. Uh, if it comes to Man, you should be reading your Bible more. Man, I've got that down. I feel good that I get up and preaching that. Um, but there's probably a lot of weeks where the Word just needs to lead us to, to repentance, and we need to do that step before we do anything else. The desire to preach with power must be matched with an equal desire to live holy before the Lord. The same Holy Spirit gives those two desires and empowers us to fulfill them both. Man, this quote from Clarence uh, McCartney, Every evasion of duty... Every indulgence of self, every compromise with evil, every unworthy thought, word, or deed will be there at the head of the pulpit stairs to meet the minister on Sunday morning. To take the light from his eye, the power from his glow, the rain from his voice, and the joy from his heart. There's no joy in preaching when you don't intend to do it. There's no joy in preaching when you're out of fellowship with the Lord, where the gospel is not transformed. The Spirit won't bless a dirty life, but He will clean it. We want God to do something in spite of us sometimes. In fact, every time God has to do something in spite of us. But we're saying, God, I didn't live for you this week, or I haven't done this. Uh, I still want you to bless this sermon, and I want you to bless the people through it. That's not the best way. Failure in the pulpit almost always stems from a failure in character. Character matters to God. Anybody know what James 3 1 says? Shouldn't very many of us be preachers. Yeah. How many of us should desire to be teachers? Because they know that we'll be judged. 
I think the call is to advance uh, to repentance, it is to sanctification, mm-hmm. allowing God to do the work in our lives. Um, and again, we're speaking from not in spite of what God is wanting to do in our lives, right? And what we haven't allowed, but because of what He is doing in our life uh, through His work. Uh, that we are first and foremost practitioners before we are uh, proclaimers. That is a great reminder for us from Pastor Joel Davis that the Spirit of God wants us as Bible teachers or preachers or small group leaders to first be in His presence, to be practitioners of the Word before we are communicators of the Word. That's going to bring this episode of the podcast to a close. We want to thank you for listening. If you have questions or want to know more, about the broader work of our churches that make up the Harmony Pittsburgh Baptist Association, you can visit our website at www.harmonypittsburgh.com or you can contact us here by emailing Jeremy, that's J-E-R-E-M-Y, at harmonypittsburgh.com. Once again, we thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Harmony Pittsburgh Baptist Association Leadership Podcast.